A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, proclaiming the mystery of God, I did not come with solemnity of words or of wisdom, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and much trembling, and my message and my proclamation were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of spirit and power, so that your faith might rest not on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Yet we do speak a wisdom of those who are mature, to those who are mature, but not a wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. Rather, we speak God's wisdom, mysterious, hidden, which God predetermined before the ages for our glory, and which none of the rulers of this age knew. For if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But, it, but as it is written, what eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and what has not entered the human heart, what God has prepared for those who love him. This God has revealed to us through the Spirit. The mouth of the just murmurs wisdom. Trust in the Lord and you good, that you may dwell in the land and be fed in security. Take delight in the Lord, and he will grant your heart's request. Commit to the Lord your way. Trust in him, and he will act. He will make justice dawn for you like the light. Bright as the noonday shall be your vindication. The mouth of the just tell of wisdom, and his tongue utters what is right. The law of his God is in his heart, and his steps do not falter.
Dominus vobiscum. Lexio Sancti Evangelii secundum Lucam. Great crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and addressed them. If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Which of you wishing to construct the tower does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if there's enough for its completion? Otherwise, after laying the foundation and finding himself unable to finish the work, the onlookers should laugh at him and say, this one began to build but did not have the resources to finish. Or what king marching into battle would not first sit down and decide whether with 10,000 troops he can successfully oppose another king advancing upon him with 20,000 troops. But if not, while well, he is still far away, he will send a delegation to ask for peace terms. In the same way, every one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. Verbum Domini. Laudator Jesus Christus, praise be Jesus Christ. Today we celebrate the feast of St. John of the Cross. That speaks poignantly of his life and of his spirituality. He was born in 1542 and died 49 years later in 1591 in Spain. John of the Cross was not only a contemporary, but a friend of St. Teresa of Avila. Both of them sought to reform from within the Carmelite order, which by that time had grown a little lax, a little comfortable. But too many people today misinterpret John the Cross as being someone who went too far, too strict, who enjoyed misery, a party popper. No. John of the Cross did not enjoy misery, but John of the Cross embraced the cross. To gain is to lose. One of his uh, famous uh, quotations in the dark night of the soul flows bright the river of God. Elsewhere, the endurance of darkness is the preparation for great life. His whole spirituality focused on the cross, idea of sacrifice, but for a higher good. Not because these things were bad intrinsically, not that being comfortable or having things convenient is, is wrong. 
and yet it's in sacrifice we find salvation. And he realized this concept of dying to self, that the ego is like a dragon, voracious, hungry, but never satisfied. The ego that you and I have needs to be tamed, needs to be controlled. And following the example of St. John the Baptist, we must say every day in our spiritual lives, I must decrease so he can increase. A glass of water, when it's filled to the top, cannot contain anything else. You put too much in there, it spills over. In the spiritual life, as John the Cross points out to us, if we're filled with ourself, our ego, I have to do it my way, then there's no room for Jesus. There's no room to do it his way if I'm only doing it my way. At the seminary, one of the things that we work at teaching the seminarians is this profound insight of John of the Cross. It's not my priesthood. It's the priesthood of Jesus Christ. As we would say to couples preparing for marriage, it's not your wedding and it's not your marriage. It's Christ's sacraments. And when a man and woman become husband and wife, they must get rid of those pronouns. As I tell them on their, before they're, they're married, when you say I do, that's it. That first person pronoun goes out the window. It's no longer I, me, or my. From now on, it's our, us, ours. And not just the two, but three, because Christ is part of that blessed union. And yet the ego doesn't like to be destroyed. And so it will hide like a cockroach. It needs to be destroyed in a good sense. Not this idea of punishing myself and going to excesses in my penance and mortification, but this idea of surrendering. I don't have to do it my way. I have to do it Jesus' way. And so discerning in my spiritual life, what does the Lord want me to do? And then he waits for me to patiently, willingly, lovingly embrace. But unfortunately, we learn too soon to go halfway. To, all right, I'll resign myself to God's will. I'll resign. Yeah. That's like the teenager taking the garbage out. Okay, I'll do it, because if I don't, I'll lose my allowance. And so they'll fill the bag with garbage and then drag it around so everybody can see them. I know, that's what I used to do. They didn't impress anyone. But rather than saying, I'm resigned to God's will, I embrace his will. And many times, that means embracing the cross. Jesus tells us, take up your cross and follow me. Follow. Don't take up your cross and just look at it, but follow Jesus all the way to Calvary. Follow him so that your hands and feet are nailed, so that you feel the thorns doesn't always mean physical suffering, but it can be. I had a brother, Michael, who had muscular dystrophy. 
he endured a lot of suffering in his life. My mother buried three of her five children, took care of my dad when he had leukemia, and then she had issues of her own in the hospital and nursing home. And yet it was someone great like Father Bob Levis of Happy Memory, who was a strong devotee of John the Cross, would say to my mother, Elizabeth, bear your cross. And she says, but Father, it keeps getting heavier and heavier. Our Lord knows how much you can handle. Easier said than done, but it's so true. And yet we're always looking around at other people's crosses and say, oh, theirs is smaller. Theirs is lighter. You don't know that. You don't know what God knows. And it's not the cross for the sake of the cross, it's the cross for the sake of the crown. There's no Easter without Good Friday. And dying to self, surrendering, embracing God's way is not easy. Because we live in a world, a society, a culture that deifies the me. Father Fred Miller of, of Happy Memory, who we recently buried last year, he, he coined the phrase meology. It's this heresy of making myself divine, that I run everything. It's up to me. No, it's up to Jesus. And I must be his faithful, loving disciple. And here's the paradox. If we obey, we become free. If we die, we live. If we sacrifice, we gain. The world thinks we're nuts. Let them. It doesn't matter. What matters is that we follow Jesus all the way so we enter those pearly gates, hearing those sweet words, well done, what? My good and faithful servant. When we leave this earth, sometimes we think our Lord's gonna say, hey, you did pretty good. No, not pretty good. He wants us to go all the way. He wants us to die to self, to allow the, the ego to be pulverized and then in its place, because nature abhors a vacuum, it's like a glass that's been emptied. Now that it's empty, it can be filled. This is why when the angel said to Our Lady at the Annunciation, hail full of grace, Grazia plena. Mary was filled with God's grace, and so there was no room for sin. But if we're filled with me doing it my way, I'm in charge, there's no room for God. And he's not going to force himself. He's going to patiently wait for us to make room, and not just a little room. It's not like saying to Jesus, oh, we're going to put you in an apartment over the garage. Would you? Or rather say, my house is your house. You take it over. You take over my life, Lord. That's what John the Cross did, and he endured suffering, physical, but also emotional. His brother Carmelites were not too thrilled with his austerity. Many times they tried to make it unpleasant for him, and they did. But he didn't enjoy the suffering. He saw through it. He saw it as a means to an end that souls can be saved when we unite our sufferings with those of Christ. So on this feast of John of the Cross, let us embrace our cross. Let us be like John the Baptist and say, I must decrease so he can increase. May God bless us and Mary keep us.